Welcome back to part two of the second episode of season five of the Luton Town Supporters Trust. If you've already heard the first one, you'll know what's coming up in the second one. But if you didn't listen to part one, we'll cover a couple of players in detail. We'll have a little chat about the um, update on safe standing, particularly in line with the fact that we're going into a new stadium in a few seasons. Uh, and then we'll look ahead to the next three games after the international break. Um James, I'll start with you then. Uh, the first player we're going to chat about is the first of the transfer club signings, actually, Fred Onyadinma. We covered him a little bit in part one, but again, for those who didn't listen to part one, what an impact he's made. And actually, in the games that he didn't play, uh, being the second half at West Brom, not so much at Barnsley, but certainly the first half against Birmingham, he was very much missed. He has been. I think he's been the breath of fresh air, really. He's, um, his pace is electric. He's obviously scored a goal. His confidence is high off the back of that. You know, his debut, we've already said, was beyond his wildest dreams. And, um, you know, to have... I, I don't know how much he cost, but he's already worth every penny, I think. He's only going to get better. You know, the same for the rest of the team, because there, there's so many new faces. But once they all knit together and gel... Um, you can have some good players there, and he's he's one of the standouts so far. Um, it is what it's what Luton were crying out for: a bit of pace up front, frighten the life out of defenders. He's very direct. You know, he should have had more goals as well, but for a linesman's flag, um, <clears throat> two linesmen and a referee's whistle. Yeah, exactly, and uh, and um, yeah, just really excited to to see him, and it's nice as well that having an attacking three feels like an attacking three now because they're all up together with the play. Um, and so with uh, Adebayo's hold-up play, it can bring those in a bit more and you've got Campbell, if he continues to do what he did against Sheffield United, be totally up with the play as well and, and, and can keep that high line, then uh, it's going to be very exciting. I guess one thing that... Um, it's needed, and one thing that perhaps we didn't get on the final day of the uh, transfer deadline was that creative midfield player to slip the ball through. But then again, we think in missing Jordan Clark, who's been a revelation uh, since, and hopefully he comes back and it's just a, like a bit of bruising or something, and that that goes down. Um, so you've got that, and, and Lansbury as well. So uh, the options are there. Um, all you need to do is pick, pick a space and let him run in behind Fred and He's frightening. So, um, yeah, a, a fabulous bit of business. I think also the fact that you, who you got him from was, <laughs> was, was great as well. But uh, uh, he, I think that he'd probably be, I think he'd be a crowd favourite anyway, but the fact that the fans actually paid for him to come here <laughs> is another massive boost as well. So, um yeah, I was really excited about him and he's one of those players that I think is going to get people bums off seats whenever the ball's near him. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. We're hoping to get Fred on the podcast at some point uh, in September, just working out when press days are and when it all fits in and everything. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Um, Tony, when you think, effectively, he was uh, Kazenga Luwalawa's replacement, wasn't he? If you if you match up who we've replaced with who we brought in, Um I had nothing against Loire Loire. Really enjoyed watching Loire Loire. Good player. Did us a really good turn. But he looks an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, he certainly uh, can last a lot longer than Loire Loire. And uh, he's younger. 
I think he's got more about him to his game. I mean, Luar Luar full of tricks and everything else, but uh, you, you don't only seem to get him as a, an impact sub, whereas Fred seems to be uh, an influencer straight from the kickoff um, in his debut. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people after that were game were looking and going, Kazenga who? <laughs> you know? Uh, it was a great impact, and uh, all in all, I think he's an upgrade in Luarlua. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Dan James mentioned um, his pace. Then there was one on Saturday, wasn't there, where in a forty-yard chase he gave Bogle twenty yards and beaten by ten, and you thought, "Whoa, this is a this is a real speedster sort of thing." Yeah, his his pace is frightening, as as James said. You know, it, it it's it, and it is a breath of fresh air. Like I say, it is an upgrade from Luarlua. Um, because I think he's quicker than him. I think he's better on the ball, and I think it gives you that little bit more than what Luwalua could. And I, I loved Luwalua. I thought he was brilliant. But I think I said in the last podcast, I think his time was up. Um, but yeah, Fred's come in, had the dream debut, and he, he was ineffective at West Brom. Uh, I'm not going to slag him for that because you know we weren't at the races for a long time in that game, but. Largely what I've seen, you know, yeah, he's, he's got pace to burn and he's only going to keep developing and getting better. Um, that's what we appear to be doing at Luton is buying these players that are, that are young, still hungry. I mean, he's, what, 24, I think he is? So, yeah, he's 24. He's only going to get better. And I think the next three or four years are going to be, you know, if he sticks with us, we've, we've got a real player on, a, on our hands there. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think he's... I think Early, early signs to go by, he's going to be out of the player, definitely. He, he's, he's, he's that kind of fans player, isn't he? As soon as, he, as soon as the ball's anywhere near him, I mean, it don't even have to be near him, does it? Like we just said, he gave someone 20 yards and well, literally walked past him, didn't he? That was yeah. a Premier League defender as well. You know, yeah. whenever the ball's anywhere near him, you're on the edge of your seat, aren't you? Because something's going yeah. to happen. Either he's getting wiped out or, you know, he's yeah. going to create something. It's, it's going to be good well, to watch this season. Exactly, and and what what's refreshing as well for a new sign, and I don't know if any of you guys have noticed it, but he, he plays with a real smile on his face, which tells you that he's settled in already. And it, you don't when when you get a new signing or a number of new signings as we've had in one go playing in the first game, you don't always see all of them hitting the ground running, and he he certainly has, but he, he's playing like he's been here a couple of years already. Um, which is refreshing. It's really nice to see, considering he's only been in the building five minutes and he's made such an impact already. So really, really happy with him. I think he knew he was going to be, he knew from Christmas he was going to let him play, didn't he? Because they, they couldn't. Yeah, you're right. So it's, it, if you know that you wanted, I guess that helps. Yeah. And it's at this point that Tony pipes up and says that he's playing in front of a crowd rather than at Wickham and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you know me too well, Kev. You know me too well. In fact, actually, I think it was at Bedford that um, I actually said to Fred, I said, how does it feel to upgrade? And he just looked at me and gave me a great big smile and started <laughs> laughing. So, yeah, but it, it's refreshing to see that. But one of the things that I think is fantastic is the amount of pace we've now got right across the front line. I mean, which is something that we've been lacking for a long time. It's uh, not just the pace, is it? It's the athleticism as well. All of them. I mean, even, I mean, if you take Saturday's team, even Musquehy, it's got yeah. bags of pace. Jordan Clark. I mean, we've mentioned throughout the podcast, Alan Campbell. 
you know, there are a couple of others that we've not even seen yet, like Dion Pereira, Mendes Gomez. Jerome as well. If you look at his that, he's 35, isn't he? And look at the speed he's got on him. He's just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that gives us an option. And, and, and that's one of the things I like about Jerome. He's got the pace. He's got the nails. But he also puts himself about as well, which is good. You know, uh, I think we've got so many options there as well. We really have. Um, let's move on to the second one uh, who we're going to cover, which is Gabe Osho. I have to admit, I followed him last season when he was at Rochdale, but they seemed to concede God knows how many goals. And I was thinking, what what's what's going on here? Obviously, we sent a guy out who should be dominating League One and they're conceding four goals every week. I'm not sure he's up to the up to the mark. But actually, he's come back, he played well in the preseason friendlies that I saw. Excellent against Peterborough when he wasn't shooting his own goal. And um <laughs> <laughs> and, and and even better against Sheffield United, wasn't he? Um, in a different role, defensive midfield role. And it's that really that I want to focus on because I don't know if we've outgrown Glenn Ray. That's probably for another podcast. But there is a hole there, isn't there, in defensive midfield? Is he the one to fill it, James? Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's only one game. But um, he did everything right. Um, he was... He protected that that defence um, and get, helped the team keep United to very, very minimal chances. In fact, they had one chance, really, didn't they? First few minutes and that was it, really. But um, his distribution was good as well, which uh, surprised me. Because um, I think when he came, they said he could play anywhere across the back line. But, uh, you know, to then have the confidence to play with the ball is, is another thing but and and yeah you could say that it, what he did was the simple stuff but that's all you need from a uh, defensive midfielder you need someone there who's got nows to break up the play and then pop it off to a, another player to start off attacks unless you you know Angolo Kante can do every, everything that's what you want and mm-hmm. you need that athleticism um, and, and power and pace and and I guess the two things that really stood out were two absolutely humongous tackles, crunching tackles, <clears throat> which the rules, thank God, we can talk about rules that have gone right. Those rules are allowing those tackles now because they were there's nothing wrong with them. But in seasons gone by, it had been pulled up for following through and taking the player. But it, they were wonderful old-fashioned challenges. Took the ball, took the player, crowd's happy. In fact, because there were no goals, the second one, I'd say, was about as loud as... A cheer you'd get without a goal. The only thing wrong with them tackles is neither was on Reese Norrington Davies, which was a bugbear of mine at the weekend. And <laughs> you've, you've had the full force of it from me, James. That no one, no one put their boot through him. We're too nice, but again, we'll come on to that at a different podcast. Uh, the interesting thing, though, um, Tony, I'll come to you with this one uh, with Osho. There was a few times on Saturday, wasn't there, the longer that the game went on, that Cal Naismith became more relevant in the opposition half of the pitch. And I'm guessing he became more relevant in the opposition half of the pitch because Osho was there to slot back in at centre-half when Naismith went forward. If we're doing that, you see a lot of these sort of international sides, don't you, where, they're in, where their holding midfielder goes back and creates a three to allow a centre-half to go forward. England do it with Harry Maguire. That could be a real dynamic, which maybe no other player at the club can actually do to allow those centre centre halves. And 
when we signed Reese Burke, there was an awful lot of talk about how good he is on the ball. So I suspect when he's up to speed, he'll do the same thing the other side as well. That could be a different dynamic that allows us to get an extra man forward. Yeah, uh, you've got that interchangeability and it happens during, during games. As long as they're, they're switched on and concentrating so that when, as you said, Naismith moves forward, Osho will drop back in. Um, and play alongside Burke or, or um, Bradley or whoever's there. Um, I certainly think we look a lot better at the back now. I mean, it, it, with Matty Pearson last season, you had more of a stopper um, whose main outlet was the big boot up front, um, where, which is a time and a place for it. But now we've got that option that, you know, we, we have got ball-playing centre-backs, which is good. But I actually think with Osho, I think that Nathan probably sees him more of a central defensive midfield player than a centre-back. That's the feeling I'm getting for it because he, he's played there. And he he, um, he did play there in, in pre-season game and, and he looked really good. Um, and I think if, if, uh, if he continues to develop like that, I think, Glenn Ray's going to have a job getting back in that team. Um, but I, I, I do like that. And, and you know, for somebody with the experience of Naismith as well, knowing when to go forward and, and, and when not to is great. It's uh, not like the, the total football of the Dutch in the 70s, but um, it's good to see that interchangeability and it certainly gives us options. Yeah, I think the only comparison between this team and that team and the colour of the shirts they wear at the minute. Yeah, but who knows? We might get we might get to that level. Dan, I've picked out that tactical nuance with Cal Naismith, but actually what he really does have in our show there is it means Pelly and Campbell can play in front of a midfielder, so to speak, and go and win the ball in the opposition half of the pitch. So therefore, with the front three as well, we've effectively got five people doing a press in the opposition half. And there aren't many teams in the championship, even as good as the championship is where defenders are going to beat a five-man press. No, that's right. And I think um, I, th- I think we've, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I wasn't always happy with Pelly doing the holding role. I've always seen him as somebody who can get forward and try and make things happen when he gets his passing right. Um, yeah, I, I think I think bringing Osho in there in front of the defence, so I, I think it's always better to bring a centre-half into the holding role because, I mean, if you ever saw Marvin Johnson play for Luton, he was he was the, the centre half that played as a target man, wasn't he? He's always drifting through and making these little runs. He'll, he'll tell you himself. Um, so I, I think I think it is the right thing. There is it is the right way to go. I mean, Alan Campbell, I think, has been a fantastic signing, and he's um, I think him and Pelly have developed a bit of an understanding, and I think it will benefit us going forwards having somebody who is like our show is defensive minded. He he can just sit back and, you know, cover, cover anybody that wants to go on a jolly up front, you know, and I think so far it's working. I I think, you know, Saturday he was absolutely fantastic. I I, I don't think he gave the ball away at once. I don't think he missed a tackle, a challenge that he went for. I think he won everything in the air, Um, pulled off some, Amazing passes, um, his range of passing, even keeping it simple, does the basic stuff right. I mean, he was a joy to watch. I mean, for me, Osho was by far and away the best player on the pitch Saturday. And uh, I think that's something solid he can build on for future games. Um, and I think Nathan is looking that way 
in terms of um, so, so slightly nudging Glenn Ray aside. Um, and I think it goes back to what we said about Elliot Lee with Hilton and uh, Potts as well. I think, you know, those those old players that were there before, you know, this is the new Luton coming through now. And I, th- I think that's a transitional phase that Nathan's looking to do because as as a football club, you you want to move forward. So we all do. We all want Luton to, in the Premier League. Um, dare I say it, you know, we, we do. You want your team to play against the best players, against the best teams all over the place. And to do that, you have to slowly buy the better players to replace the old ones. Uh, however, And it, that's just how football is. It sounds ruthless on those guys that got us up here, but that's football. And I think people like Osho are the, are the way forward based on what I've seen of him so far. He's a very, very welcome addition in there. I, th- I think he'll, he'll push on. Yeah, he's another one who fills this athleticism um, mm. box that we seem to uh, be ticking an awful lot of. I'm really interested to see actually how we go with Osho over the remainder of the season. I don't expect him to play there every game purely because it's a demanding role and he's still a young kid. There will be times where Lansbury play there. There'll be times where Pelly plays there. There'll probably be times where Glen Ray plays there. But the um, there'll be improvement in Osho and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it and I'm really looking forward to seeing Fred for the rest of the season. Um, James, it came out last week um, that a bill has been passed that safe standing is going to be allowed in this country. It hasn't been standing in top flight or second tier um, grounds uh, since the infamous Hillsborough in- incident back in the late 1980s. So we're going on for 35 years without that. How do you see this? Is this a move that you support? 100%. Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, you, you're right that there was, there was a huge sea change after Hillsborough and, and that was right. But I think the, cer- the circumstances of that were not particular, not necessarily to do with standing, as we all know. You know, it's been uh, decades now of, of evidence about it and, you know, convictions and whatnot. Probably still not the right results, but um, those families are fighting on. It was right that there was a review about about football stadium there. I mean, that one particularly, that stadium was falling apart at the time. No, it still is, not yeah, just at the time. It's, it's, it, it, it still is, yeah. Um, but I think, and this is going to be a you know an, an older headed view <laughs> because the younger fans won't know any difference unless maybe watching the conference but I think that the atmosphere around football is slightly lacking has always been slightly lacking from being seated um, no I don't I don't propose that you go back to the old way of, of, of standing which was I mean you could you could be at the back of the terrace and end up at the front with a gold celebration you know because there was just nothing in between this safe standing is um it's sort of a halfway house I, I guess because there's, there's gonna be none of that you're not going to have that swell of bodies that go around and stuff um because of the way it is it's it's sort of barriered to a certain extent that allows you to stand up, but you're not going to get a crush of people or anything. And, um, the, the fact that that te- technology is around and it's been trialled in other countries, I think Dortmund do it, don't they, particularly well. 
and everybody's seen the yellow wall at the Dortmund Stadium and how amazing their atmosphere is. You know, the the, the atmosphere, I, I think, is the thing that will, will benefit. And we often talk a lot about the atmosphere at Kenworth Throne and when it's rocking, it's rocking and stuff. But there is times as well, um, say the first half against Sheffield United, where it's deathly silent because nothing's happening. And I think if you've got that sort of more of a bit of movement in the crowd and, um, and, and people standing up, I mean, it's not going to be everywhere. It's not going to be like it was where everybody stood up, I guess, but there's still going to be people who want to sit down. But there are people that want to stand up and there's always been people that want to stand up and you've had decades of being told to sit down. I think it needs to happen. Um and I, and I welcome it all. I, I just I just hope it comes in. And, and, and there's a huge chance for Luton now, particularly with with power court. And I've always thought that because it's it's been sort of bubbling away in the background, the, the safe standing. Uh, yeah, and it's sort of coming to the fore at just the right time, I think. And I wouldn't be surprised if if the sort of redesigns they're doing and the reworkings allow for that. You know the. the, the We've already got a 17,500-seat stadium that can be expanded to 22. That stadium is going to be adaptable to any sort of new developments that come along. I'm, I'm convinced of it and so standing, I think, for me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I'm absolutely certain it will because, as Tony will acknowledge every time we're in a meeting with the, as the trust with Gary Sweet, I always ask him if there's going to be... Um, procedures in place for safe standing should by the time power court come along safe standing be um, approved because it's been talked about hasn't it for four or five years about you know potentially it coming in and he's always said yes to me so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that um, there will be spaces in power court for it I've actually been safe standing in America when I went and watched an MLS game and I went with someone who didn't want to stand and that's fine because you can still sit in its rail seat and you can still sit in your seat and you will still see above the person that's in front of you. So if you don't want to stand, you don't have to. But there are plenty of people at football, myself included, who wants to stand and we should be allowed to. And um, this is going to bring that in, Tony. How do you see it? Positive, negative, what, in between? Where are you? Positive, very positive. I think it's a great, great move. It's great news. Um, and I can speak from somebody who has been on those terraces, as James said, where you start at the back and end up at the front. Um, <laughs> I've done it on the Oak Road, Kenilworth Road end. Um, they were great, but sometimes it's a bit scary because I was a young kid, but they were great. A, Good fun. It was a lot of fun. Let me tell you, it was a lot of fun and, and great, but at the same time, not exactly the safest things to mm. do. Um, you know, and, and you had the odd barriers here and there that if you were lucky enough to to get it early enough, you could get a barrier to, to lean on. But then again, if it was a heavily attended game, then you, you used to have the press come up and you could get squashed up against one of the barriers and that wasn't exactly pleasant. So I think with, with uh, safe standing, I think it's got to be applauded. It, it, you know, it, it, to give people that option or that choice, um, is the right way forward, and, and I think I think that's going to be a good move uh, because it's, it'll certainly make the games more appealing to people. Because you can see if if you if you are at Kenilworth Road and 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 you look at uh, I, I sit in E Block in the main stand, uh, and uh, you, you you look at them right in the corner, they're all standing, they're all standing and singing, and they don't want to sit down. 
And I think at games, you know, I, I, I've been in the unfortunate situation where I've gone to a game and, and, and I, I, I sat and there were people in front standing and it causes aggravation, uh, you know, because you're saying, look, you know, will you, get, will you sit down? I mean, I can stand, but then it blocks people behind me. And, uh, you know, there are some people who, who can't stand all the way through a football game. So, you know, you haven't, you know, you tell them, look, go to the back and stand up there. But some people don't listen and it, it can get a bit heated with people. Because uh, if I went to a game and I'd pay for a seat, um, I certainly wouldn't be very happy that I paid the money to sit and uh, I ended up standing. I mean, it, it, it raises questions about how much tickets will be in standing areas and things, but it's nice to have that option. And, uh, you know, it, it's not going to increase capacity to any extent, I think, because, uh, you know, you'll still have the same situation where you'll stand where your seat is or, you know, so there'll be no extra people in. So it won't be like how it was in the 70s and 80s where it was sort of like you could cram people in and pack them in and, and we had 15, 16, 17,000 in Kenilworth Road. Um, and on the other occasion, I, I can remember going to games in the 70s where there were 22,000 in there. Um, in one particular game, I think 74, 75, when we played Arsenal at home and you just couldn't get in. You just, you know, it was absolutely rammed and people were just forced up onto the terraces and you can see where all the, all the problems of, of you know, stem from, but you, you find that if you look back on the incidents that have caused the um, banning of standing, it, it's all been caused not by actual incidents happening in the ground or where the people are, are standing, it, it's been caused by outside the ground, you know, causing that and causing crushes, you know, especially Hillsborough. Um, you know, but I think it's a great move and uh, I, I think it will certainly help uh, improve the atmosphere at games. Yeah, I do too. Um, the game that I went to in the MLS where I did the safe standing, there was only one stand behind the goal. The other three stands all sit, were all seater and they all seemed a bit sterile, but the stand behind the goal was rocking and I'm, I'm guessing that's the thing. I mean, Tony, if we play Arsenal again, you can just get in the way in, mate, because no Arsenal fan's going to be watching by the time they're... <laughs> no, the no, time no. I've got to say, isn't, isn't that all that moaning and whinging from them pathetic? <laughs> Absolutely pathetic. You know, it, it, it just shows you how uh, being in the Premiership year upon year can affect you um, as a club. I mean, I, I, I've heard some whinge and I actually commented on some of them on Facebook and I and, uh, oh, just, God almighty, if they'd have been us in 2008, 2009, they'd have all been jumping off cliffs, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they would indeed. Danny, I'm interested in your view on this because obviously uh, you said you've been a Luton fan for 27 years. You wouldn't have seen the stand-in at Kenworth Road. Um, nope. you, so you'd only have experienced it at away games. Where are you with safe stand-in? And also in particular, because you've got a young lad who you're bringing to the football now, uh, and I'm interested in in that kind of element to it as well. Um, well yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I've experienced it in Germany back in 2002, I think it was. Um, my cousin was on a gap year in Germany and uh, he got his tickets to watch Bayern Munich at the old Olympic Stadium where they had to stay standing there. And br just a brilliant atmosphere. It, it, it generated something that I think just sat on your ass all 90 minutes couldn't generate um but it, it, it i think it's a nice compromise between the old 
standing and um, the need to have seats in there because I, I think I think the problem that was caused was like, like Tony was saying when you've got thousands of people trying to pile in and you can't some weeks you don't end up getting in whereas if you've already got a ticket in, in hand then it, it makes it it makes everybody's job a lot easier from the football club to the authorities and the police and all that it makes it so much easier and it's easy for the supporter as well nobody wants to be squashed in nobody wants to have that the tallest bloke in the world in front of you blocking your view because he wants to stand and you want to sit um so i, I think it is 100 the right way to go um i had to move seats this year because i was in block f in the corner um for a number of years and because i started taking the two older boys now they're 11 and 10 they're, they're not going to see anything up there um they'll see the atmosphere and learn a few choice words of language which <laughs> i'm not ready for them to do yet um, <laughs> so I thought that's just from James down. in the press box <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh it is him is it <laughs> um, uh, so that we're in the enclosure three rows from the front and they love it because they pulled Danny Hilton up earlier and tried to get an autograph off him we didn't have a pen so we got called out there but um, but yeah no generally I'm, I'm a fan of it um, I don't know too much I haven't read too much into the idea uh, of how it's going to work I think did you say something about even if you're a kid, you can still see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, where's where's the problem? I, I don't see a problem now. Um, whether they're going to decide to knock, put an extra couple of quid on the ticket price for it, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't want it all the way around because there's still people that aren't going to see anyway if they want to sit. And I, I'm talking particularly like the, the people who physically can't stand for 90 minutes. Um and and it's their right. I mean, some games I fancy just sitting down. Uh, other games I'd like I like to stand. Um, that's why I like the conference days because you, you you had a choice. Um, and block F, you don't. If you want to see the game, you stand. If you don't want to see the game, you sit. It's simple as really. Um, and it, I think it's about time fans were listened to and given a choice of what they want to do. And th- this will help that no end. Yeah, I uh, I, I agree. Technology's moved on since 1989. Uh, Fancy behaviour's moved on since 1989. Uh, the game's trying to appeal itself to um, a diverse set of, uh, set of supporters since 1989. And um, I think public opinion has probably moved ahead as well. I mean, there, there was no way that uh, it was going to be allowed after what happened. There was such a tragedy that it's, it's quite right. But, you know, um, that... 30 years down the line and and um, seeing that technology coming in and, and the way that football's changed as well. You've got to think at the time as well, football was rife with hooliganism and they had cages in the front of, front of st- uh, stands that you couldn't get yeah, in that was my and stuff. So. And fan behaviours changed. Yeah, that, that. There, there, there's none of that. So, um, I never understood that personally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the, at the same time, sort of atmospheres have decreased, I would suggest, they'll come up a little bit more and be meeting and halfway. We don't want to return to hooliganism, obviously. And I'm not saying that standing is the, is the culprit behind that. It's not, but um, just having that sort of, just being on your feet and being a bit livelier, I think will help atmospheres in football grounds. Yeah, obviously with football, it's not going to happen overnight, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping, and by the sounds of it, uh, the boys are hoping too. 
that it gets past and uh, we can all stand safely at power court and hopefully also not just to have it in home ends but to have it have it uh, at certain parts of away ends as well so that you get the choice uh, an away game particularly if you sat on your ass driving to Middlesbrough you don't exactly want to sit on your ass for 90 more minutes and then <laughs> sit on your backside to come back down again do you so uh, fingers crossed that everything's positive but it's definitely a positive that they're um, that they're calling for it now so uh, that's a good thing right one last thing to do then chaps there's three games between now and the next time we'll reconvene for a podcast uh, this blasted international break's got in the way of um some of it, but actually, as Nathan intimated, it probably came at a good time for us. Two away games and a home game, James. Uh, Blackburn away. Last time fans were there, we won. Uh, last time fans weren't there, the referee won. Uh, hopefully, the former happens with fans being there at Ewood Park. But how do you see that one going? Um, I fancy a win up there, to be honest. Um, they've lost Harvey Elliott, and I don't know if they've replaced him necessarily uh, it looks a bit of a player that him anyway doesn't he but, lost uh, Armstrong as well <coughs> excuse me the guy who scored the goal to Southampton yeah. last season um, so I don't know too much about their recruitment and what they've tried to replace but that's um, that's a big miss if you're going to I mean he was the only player that was going to score last season against Luton wasn't he? and he did so um, yeah hopefully they haven't got too much in the tank. I, I fancy a win. It might be a, it might be a small margin, one nil, something like that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm confident in that one. Yeah, I noticed that Blackburn, Blackburn of all people, have got a chilly international up front. So hopefully he's uh, disappeared off on international duty and ain't allowed back in the country for that particular game, and mm. uh, that'll make life a little bit easier. But um, how do you see that one going, Tony? Bearing it, they wanted Pelly, didn't they, in the summer? So. Um, Maybe that's a game that Pelly will be bang up for. Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, I'm, I, I quite fancy a win up there as well. Um, I don't think there's anything to, excuse me, anything to fear. And I think we're quite capable of going away and uh, hopefully producing another performance like we did at Barnsley. As I said, they've got nothing to fear. Um, you know, also we've now got Amari Bell. I, I you know, if he if he's back and he's playing, I hope he puts a shift in up there to show them what they've lost. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually forgot about him. I'm still it still dazzles me that they've got a chilly international. I mean <laughs> I mean he's an English fella though, isn't he? But he is an English fella, but they've added Diaz to his name just to make him sound Chilean now. Yeah. I mean that that's done it for me, that has. You're you're Chilean <laughs> now, mate. Um, yeah, that's 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 got me that as. Um, I'm not going to say anything bad about Blackburn, though, Dan, because they played their part in the great escape for us, scoring a couple of goals for us that famous night. Um, yeah. Hopefully they score a couple more a week on Saturday. Would be nice. Would, would be nice. Um, yeah, I'm just having a look at their squad now. Yeah, it's funny that they've got a Chilean guy from Stoke. Um, <laughs> most people in Stoke are cold, aren't they? So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's, an, that's an unusual combination, isn't it? Yeah, cold hearted. I don't know about cold, but that's for another thing. Cold Tuesday night in Stoke, anyone? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll follow rubbish dad jokes. I do apologize. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm with um, the boys really. I, 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 I fancy us to win it. Um, I don't really see any, but maybe Bradley Dapp might cause us a few problems. He usually does cause people problems whenever I see them on the highlights program. Um, I know they've just signed a lad from Lincoln, um, best mate's Lincoln fan. He, he talks about him a fair bit. We were linked with him. Um, that Teo Eden, fullback, isn't he? Yeah, 
Yeah. But yeah, apparently we were linked with him. He's, he's pretty decent, apparently. Um, I'm not worried about them at all, really. I, if we get a draw, I'll be happy. As I say, with any away game, I'm always, always happy with a draw. Um, it's not the end of the world. Delighted with a win, obviously. Um, if we lose, I'll, <laughs> I should be pissed off because I don't really see much from them, to be honest with you. I think they're, they're just an average championship club that are sort of sitting there and not doing a lot, really. Um, that's how I see that, so I, I fancy a win. I don't think there'll be any chilly internationals in the opposition against Bristol City on the Wednesday, but it may well be chilly on uh, that particular night. Um, football was crap. <laughs> I'm with you. Football was um, was crap last season, wasn't it, James? But actually, the Bristol City away game was one of the more entertaining games, even though we had to go 2 0 down to make it entertaining. Um, how do you see that game? Bristol City don't look to have improved based on their results, but they did beat Cardiff on Saturday. They've had, they've had the same start as Luton, really, haven't they? Points-wise, um, they're a bit, you know, two goals better off in the goal goal difference, but they're still only on not goal difference. So there's nothing to fear from from them. The, the only it still lingers in my memory that two seasons ago at Ashton Gate, how absolutely terrible Luton was. If they put in a shift like that, they never deserved to get beaten. But I th- I think it's one of those where it'd be an even game, and I think they can well nick that. No trouble. Uh, I think, it, again, it would be a small margin. I wouldn't mind, again, if they went away all season, win one nils all over the shot. I'd love it. Yeah, it, we seem to be coming up against an awful lot of old boys in that Bristol City game, Tony. Yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. Jada Silva. Uh, Tyreek Beckinson's also there. Chris Martin's up front, if you include him as a Luton old boy, which I suppose we should do, given that he had a wonderful season with us. How do you see that game going? Um, it's a difficult one to call, uh, as James has said, they're a very similar start to us. Um, I think I'd be happy with a point there. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. And I, I see it something like 1-1 or 2-2. Dan? <clears throat> Much the same as Tony, I think. Um, again, looking at their squad, they they have got names in there, but they're old old heads, you know. I mean, you've got Matty James, who's a booper patient with a football problem. Um <laughs> He spends forever out. Um, <clears throat> Andy King hasn't done a fat lot in the last few years. Uh, and Andy Wyman's been there forever, not doing too much, really. Um, Backinson's hit the heights there, hasn't he? Leaving us. Um, yeah, but I, I think a draw. I've been, like I say, with the away games, I'm always delighted with the draw. Um, but yeah, I'll take anything off them. I know Nigel Pearson's sides are pretty difficult to beat, even though we came away with the points last year. That was another game of two halves. So I remember, I distinctly remember watching that. We were two 0 down at half time, and I had to go to the mother-in-law's to pick the kids up. And I remember watching it on the phone on the way over. And uh, by the time I got there, it was three two, and I was like jumping around the car and that. So uh, some of that again would be nice, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I think if it- if it's going tits up in the first half, a couple of weeks' time, just toddle off out and um, <laughs> see if it turns around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James, mm. last time we played two away games uh, in succession, the first home game was, well, a nightmare. Um, we don't tend to have a particularly great record against Swansea, home or away. Is that going to change this time around? They don't seem to have started very well. I must say that much. They don't. They've um, had a mixed... Uh... They've had a mixed transfer window as well, haven't they? Just they've lost Jamal Lowe, but they've got in um, 
Cobber Femi from Southampton, striker, yeah, and um, lost the right back as well, didn't they? To Burnley, Roberts. Yeah, but they've signed um, Reese Williams from Liverpool, who did a good turn for them last season in the absence of Van Dijk. So Swansea getting a loan hmm. from the Premier League. Who saw that coming, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's a difficult one to call for that because they have to get those players bedded in. Um, you know, they, they had a couple couple of deals fall through, so hopefully their their plans aren't as solid as they like. Um, but yeah, a whole new. I think they probably got a whole new striking lineup there, haven't they? Who, who was the other fellow that used to be up front? Ayu, he's long gone. Yeah, yeah, he's gone. So um, they've got, they've got foot downs as well now, haven't they? They do, yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how he is because. When he came to Luton in League One, we all thought he was bloody brilliant, and we, you know we interviewed him and everything on this podcast. So, but that was League One, wasn't it? And now you're talking Luton are, you know, top top half of the Championship table uh, team. So it'd be interesting to see that. Hopefully, as a stinker, um, but he did look he did look classy in League One, but it's step up, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it, it's a real tough one. That um, I guess on the balance of not having the greatest record against them, I, a draw would be a decent result. I'd say um, ecstatic with a win. So let's. Uh, I'll go for a. I'll go for a draw. Uh, a one-all. And by virtue of the fact that I've covered that fixture for you ever since we've come in the championship, it's nice that you're actually turning up to watch Swansea uh, <laughs> this time around as well. Tony, what do you see about that game? I quite fancy a home win, actually. I think uh, we drew one against them. We've lost two seasons on the trot to them. And, and uh, again, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with the comments about they've, they've got a few new players they've got to bed in. And I, I, I certainly think we've got the players that can cause them problems. Um, I think it'll be an interesting, um, very interesting game because, again, they're, they're sort of favourites to finishing the playoffs aren't they so there's going to be a bit more pressure on them um, but I, I can't see any reason why we, we can't put them away I watched them uh, on telly the other the other week down there Bristol City I think it was they were playing they're pretty average um, and they've got a goalkeeper who rabbits in headlights is very much the term for whenever the ball's at his feet so I'm hoping Adebayo is going to uh, be well aware of that I've seen a few of them actually and they they like to pass the ball along the back like Russell Martin did at Milton Keynes. I think he was lauded for that, wasn't he? Like it's never been seen before, um, but actually it has. But they're not very good at it. So we might have plenty of joy with our press against them. That's what I'm hoping anyway. Yeah, I would say that the only passing across the back I, I will implore is if it's the other team doing it because I, I can't stand us doing it. Um, Sluga gave us a right fucking heartache in the opening moments of the mm-hmm. Peterborough game when he let the back pass go under. It, it, I think you have to concentrate too much and the footballers shouldn't be allowed to concentrate too much. Anyway. You're because, assuming they're capable of it, Dan. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's like Harry Cornett's open goal. Bless him. Um, it, 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 I, I, like the oldest lad said, why? how did he miss that? It's because he had too much time to think. Are you give him too much time to think? Oh, fuck it. So, uh, but yeah, going, going back to, 
I forgot the question to be fair, sorry. I'm busy talking shit. Sorry. Do you see us beating Swansea? Yes. Yeah, I think with G1, looking at the previous record we've had, I think the last time we've beaten at Kenilworth Road in the league was about 20 years ago. So we're definitely due it now. Um, like I say, I, I don't think they're particularly great either. They haven't really got anybody that, that stands out anymore. Like you say, the best players they had from last year have gone on. Um, yeah, and if this goalkeeper's like Sluger is, like a bad Sluger, we're all right, I think. Um, you've got Flynn Downs in there, as mentioned. Morgan Whitaker's meant to be decent, but I can't... I, I think they're just names to me, a lot of these, and they've never really pulled anything up. And I don't see how they're still spending money when the the parachute payment must have stopped from the Premier League now, mustn't it? I think they've been there a few years now. So I think, again, they're, they're turning into Blackburn slightly without realising it. They'll just be an average Premier League side, uh, championship side that we can take. That's why they've got Russell Martin in, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's another thing, I suppose, a new manager, isn't it? Yeah. I think they're probably looking at the way he played for Mil- played Milton Keynes as the, the return of the Swansea style that was under um, Martinez and yeah. Rogers and Loudrop and all that. But um, it does take time, doesn't it, to, to implement Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think Swansea are one of them clubs that you're not going to get a lot of time as well. Um, like a lot of championship sides, you don't get. You, you you get six to twelve months, and if you're not if you're not hitting the ground running, you're out, and someone else comes in. And I think it's unsettling for for players. I mean, Swansea have had a couple of manager changes um, through no fault of their own. I think uh, they're potted, didn't they? Moved on to Brighton, and I think it that sort of thing can be a bit disheartening. It, it was the same with us when uh, we swapped the Welsh Jones for the goofy one, and <laughs> that didn't quite work, did it? So. It, it does have a knock-on effect to the players. I mean, the same players now are virtually holding their own in the, in the championship. So that that tells you um, what a difference a manager can have. So he's he's from MK and he so he's not going to have a positive impact on them, I don't think. So I think they're fully beatable, definitely. Yeah, I'm always um, reluctant to uh, get behind the losing playoff side, but it always seems to be a, that hangover. Always seems to be an extended one, doesn't it? The team that loses in the playoff final, which obviously Swansea did to Brentford last season. So confident that we're going to get three pretty decent results in those games. Uh, before we finish, all that there is to point out: if you access this podcast via the Luton Town Sports Trust website, you'll already know it's got a new design to it. If you don't, pop along to that website because it does have a new design to it. We've um, had a refresh of our website. Lots more on there, so um, take a, take time to have a good look around. Still at the same address that it was before, www.lutonsportstrust.com. Uh, just a rejig for the new season and a lot jazzier. And if you are a trust member, which hopefully you are if you're listening to this, um, if you get someone to sign up to be a member of the trust between now and the end of September, you will go into a prize draw to win a signed Luton Town shirt from last season. Uh one one member joins, you get one entry in, but for each member that you get to sign up, you get an extra entry into the draw. So uh, as many members as you can get joined for the trust, you get a better chance of winning uh, one of last season's signed shirts. Gents, it's been eventful as always. Thanks for keeping me company for this part and the first part of the podcast. 
James, I wish you well in all your travels to all the games. Chaps, you two uh, looking forward to seeing them in the home and away end as well. Hope uh, hope you enjoy those three games. And uh, here's to, well, a good September, really. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We will return uh, later in the month with another full podcast. As I say, we are hoping between now and then to have Fred on your dimmer uh, as a special um, bonus podcast. So if you've not already liked, subscribed or everything else, do that and then you'll know when that comes out because at the time of recording I don't have an exact date for that but we will get him along and I'm sure he'll be great but for now thanks for listening thanks everyone and see you next time